Welcome to Theologic. I'm Zach Deacon. I'm Zach Packey. Sean Mustin. Laboring for the greater good of Christ Church with biblically sound thinking. Today, we will be discussing faith and maturity. Let me be specific. What does it mean to have faith like a child, but at the same time be spiritually mature? I would ask one of you guys, Packey, you got your Bible open. Uh-huh. Would you mind reading Second uh, Peter 1? Uh, that good. list of uh, virtue and uh, steadfastness. Yeah, we covered this a couple episodes ago. Yep, I'm going to actually read out of Hebrews chapter 6 here. It's it's an interesting warning out of Hebrews, and then I'll ask Patkey here to read out of yeah. Second Peter. So this is what uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and following says, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, but of instruction about end of instruction about washing the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and we will do this if god permits so there's this call to maturity in hebrew 6 mm-hmm. yeah second peter 1 verse 5 now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. So there's this call to maturity. Mm -hmm. There's this call to not being stagnant, to moving on in virtue, to growing up a little bit, so to speak. There's certainly a warning in Hebrews. I remember uh, I was reading, uh, it was 2021 that I took a decent chunk of the year trying to read as much Hebrews as I could, and there's a warning, and the warning is within context, I understand, and it'd be interesting for you guys to flesh that out if you see fit, but that there's this warning of leaving elementary things behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Second Peter, there's this element of proceeding through uh, godly characteristics and adding to our faith, not just staying where we are when we first came to believe. But then there's this dynamic of having childlike faith. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to hear you guys dialogue, how they connect, how they differ. Now, when we're talking about the difference between childlike faith and spiritual maturity, I think what we're dealing with are two different categories. One is the quality of faith we must have for salvation. And the other is the nature of the Christian life. Uh, the entry point of our salvation is to come simply having a faith like a child. Uh, no matter what age you are, by the way, I would say that you are still a child of God. First uh, John 2, 1 and First John 5, 21, you're still called little children. And in other words, no matter how long you've been a believer in Christ, no matter how saturated you've been in the Word, no matter uh, how powerfully God has worked in your life through your circumstances to help you grow, you are still going to be a child of God, a little child of God, so that you might see that you have you have room to grow. You can still go on to perfection no matter how mature you are in Christ. But at the, at the onset, again, it's a, it is a faith that come, uh, we enter into, uh, uh, where we enter into salvation. Matthew 18, 3, John 10, um, John 3, 3, Mark 10, 15, Luke 18, 17. This is all about entering into the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, the rest is the Christian life. Right. And I was, I want to hone in on that idea, uh, from the account in Mark, in Mark 10, where it's the classic story of the kids coming to Jesus, parents bringing the children, the disciples foolishly turn them away. Then there's the rebuke of Christ to his disciples. 
When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child Mm -hmm. will not enter it at all. So we have this picture of receptivity. That's, that's at least in this text, the description of the child, receptive. There's a quality there that we need to consider when it comes to coming into the kingdom of God. When we hear the gospel and we come into this salvation, this great salvation given by God, it's with a heart like a child that is receptive. And we think about a little child. You can give him or her gifts. You can just lavish them with grace, whether it's giving them a piece of candy or it's saying, hey, let's go to the water park for the day. They'll be like, yeah, let's go. Unlike the adult where a grown-up normally is going to try to pay their way. Like if you say, hey, let's go let's go to the water park for the day and it costs like 50 bucks for both of you to get in, uh, they're going to try to cover part of their cost, probably all of their cost. Like there, it's going to be a lot more difficult for a grown-up, for an adult, to be just willing to receive your generosity. You coming mm-hmm. and saying, hey, let's just go hang out at the water park. It's on me. Let's Let's go. Or even beyond that, because we're talking about grace and salvation, something bigger than that. Like, I want to take you on vacation. I want to take you on a trip over to Victoria Falls, Africa. And I want to go there and go hang out. It's all on me. Most adults are not going to receive that well, especially compared to a child. If you tell a kid, hey, we're going to go get on an airplane and go to the beach, they're just like, yeah, let's let's go. Mm. It's receptive. And there's that quality there that Jesus is commending to those who would come to him that grace has to be received in that way. We can't try to add on to it. We can't try to add a quality to it that makes us a little bit more worthy. Like, okay, we're not saving ourselves, but Jesus is doing 95% of the grace, and then I'm kind of doing 5% of a little bit of effort to kind of help cover the cost. Mm -hmm. There can't be any of that. There's that plain, simple, joyful receptivity that a child naturally has that Jesus uses as an example of how we are to be as we come into the kingdom. Now, coming into the kingdom at that point is where I think we begin to branch off into the other category. Like, Packy, you mentioned there's different categories here we're talking about. Inside the kingdom, in that kingdom life, we begin to live out. And this isn't to cancel out being receptive in the way of a child, but it does go hand in hand with it. Mm -hmm. It's it's complementary. But going back to that that passage in 2 Peter about um, supplementing our faith with all these various virtues and such, there is a dynamic once we've received this faith in a childlike manner that we grow in it, yeah. that there is maturity in that faith right. that we're given. Which is why it starts with, all right, you start with that faith and then you add these other things to it. You you pile on each layer uh, uh, to your Christian walk. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you don't lose it. You don't get rid of that childlike faith, but that you add to it. And uh, and that that's that's the process of spiritual maturity and growth. Right. And here's a reason this is an important topic for us to talk about is there are a lot of people that will say, if you're in a conversation regarding growing the knowledge of the scriptures, mm-hmm. being a part of a Bible study, thinking about the the harder parts of the Christian life or considering more difficult portions of scripture, 
you might get a comment, something along the lines of, well, that's just not for me. I'm just one of childlike faith. Right. And mm. that's all Jesus wants from us. We don't have to really think about these more difficult things of Scripture. We just need to have the faith of a child. Right. Well, my friend, with all due respect and love for you, that's not what Jesus is talking about. It's not what the Bible's talking about. Right. We need to be mature and developing. Like this life that God has given to us, mm-hmm. that we do receive as a, as a little child, that life is one that is meant to develop and to grow yeah. by the means of grace, by the Scripture, by the work of the Spirit, by the sacraments, by the fellowship of the brethren. Or the ordinances, but yeah, the sacraments, another word for it, but keep going. I'm another sorry. conversation to have down the road, right, my friend. That'll be good fun. <laughs> That'll be good fun. I, I, I totally affirm the, the, the term ordinances, but that could be a good fun conversation. But yeah, it's <laughs> ordinances for now. I'll, I'll scratch sacraments or ordinances. <laughs> But just I don't very, care. Those... I'm just to, just for the sake of clarity. But keep going. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. So okay. So while we're clarifying that, ordinances, baptism, Lord's Supper, uh, that those are, are ways in which we we grow in our um, our faith and our relationship uh, with the Lord. So life is meant to develop and to mature. I am so glad you brought that up because this is so applicable. I mean, I've had that in our church too. It's like, well, it's just I want to commend it. Don't we just need to have the childlike faith in all these things? Yeah, but there's there is a point, even as the writer of Hebrews says, we got to move beyond the milk and into the meat. We've mm-hmm. we've got to sure the milk is so important, the 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 things that are pertaining so well to the gospel. Which I'll look at Hebrews six. There's uh, different categories of what milk of the word is, or things that uh, that are foundational doctrines that we need to be well well versed in. Uh, he, he not laying the foundation of repentance from dead works and uh, faith toward God. What's that? That's the entrance into the gospel. Uh, that is, uh, you're, when you come to Christ, you repent from sin and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. That's what it is. And so we don't need to keep telling you, Christian, hey, deacon, you got to repent from sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ when you already did. Why would we continue to to harp on that even though there are those who have not? And then he goes on to say instructions about washings and laying on of hands. Now, that might sound like New Testament, Acts chapter 2 type of thing. But remember, the writer of Hebrews is speaking to very Jewish audience. And what we find is when he talks about instructions about washings, that's describing the Jewish religious observances that even in the New Testament times, the disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. That wasn't a statement about cleanliness. That was a statement about you guys didn't observe the ritual that you're supposed to observe. And so he, he talks about that that's a foundational, important thing to talk about uh, as the milk of the word. And he says, the laying on of hands. That might sound like Acts 2 type stuff. But what that's talking about is uh, Leviticus chapter 1. When you were offered a sacrifice, uh, you had to lay your hands on that sacrifice as a sign that you identify with those things. So the ceremonial washings, identifying as sacrifices, what are these things? These are things that the gospel is not. These are things that that could get in the way of somebody receiving the gospel and becoming a believer. And then he talks about here, by way of third category, resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. Uh, we talk about that all the way at the beginning of the gospel. Whenever we share the gospel with somebody, we end by saying, if you don't respond rightly, you will spend eternity apart from Christ in eternal judgment. If you do respond rightly in, in repentance and faith, you will ex- you'll spend eternal bliss with him eternally, forever. I feel like I should have started before chapter 6, and depending on what commentary you read, I was actually reading that there are some commentators that think that 6 actually starts 
a little sooner. But mm. that's that's neither here nor there. Could you guys? It's worth noting. Just maybe touch on. So the Bible says child in Mark ten, mm-hmm. and at the end of chapter five, the writer of Hebrews uses the same, the same well, the same English same word idea. we would translate it. Yeah. I'm not sure what what is translated from in the original Greek, but he is an infant, right? Yeah, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Mm-hmm. So there it seems to be indicating a type of bad immaturity. Yeah. Versus what Sean brought up before, yeah. a a child being used in a good way, you know, so dialogue, you know, consider, help us figure yeah. out the difference between those two a little bit. Consider why the writer of Hebrews is writing. He has various uh, he has various Jewish folks in his audience who are at the point where they're about to reject the gospel outright. They're going to go back to the old way of living. Um, and temple it, worship, the sacrifices, the yep, priesthood. That's correct. Yep. And even the, even as I mentioned, those, uh, those religious observances, uh, that, uh, that were so foundational in their upbringing, they were tempted to go back to that. And so as a result of that, it's, it's clear if you're a real believer in Christ that, and you've grown in him, you're not going to be somebody who's going to be so quick to reject in that way because you've been well-grounded and you're holding fast, even in the midst of difficulties that were going on in that day. In fact, mm-hmm. a lot of his, his recipients had faced great persecution. They had their houses plundered, and they watched, gladly giving the things away, but it was still a painful thing, as the writer of Hebrews tells us. Mm. So there is, an, there is a bad form of immaturity that comes as a result of, you've had so much time. Uh, he even says that to them earlier on in chapter 5. You've had so much time. Uh, you should be those who are moving on to meet, but i got to re-instruct you on the elementary principles of things. You've come, he says in verse, thir- uh, verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, or the sayings of God, just basic foundational sentences that they needed and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So that that was the nature of their immaturity. Right. And I wanna I wanna echo what Packy has just laid down with saying this, that this is a great example of why context is important mm-hmm. because in Mark we have a description of a child that is put forward positively. Yeah. Something to be commended. And namely again, the receptivity that a child generally will have needs to be seen in the heart of the person who has been called by the gospel to freely receive mm-hmm. that grace and not try to add to it. But then we come to here in Hebrews, and this idea of a child is put in a negative light. So this is something where we need to be aware of the context, how the author is using it. Yeah. And this is a principle that I bring up, not just to uh, belabor the point of context, but there are many places throughout Scripture where one word is used one way over here, and, and the, same wor- or, sorry, t- the same word is used uh, two different ways in two different places. Yeah. And we just need to realize that the context helps us navigate through this. So we don't have to think um, negatively or positively about the idea of being a child um, within the kingdom. The question is, which passage are you navigating through? Right. Are you trying to uh, emulate and exemplify what is put forward in Mark? Then amen, great. If you see what's being said in Hebrews and you and you see qualities of what's described in the end of Hebrews 5, if you see those kind of qualities in your heart and your thinking, yeah. then repent and call out to God uh, that he might mature you and go to the Word and be matured. 
So I just want to put that, that thought yeah. out there about the, yeah, the same ideas or the same uh, word and concept is seen in both yeah. passages, but each author is using it differently. And it is important about yeah. how we think about reading the Bible. It may boil down to an illustration. Um, if I have a two-year-old who's acting like a baby or acting like a toddler, I might say, oh, that's cute. This is a beautiful thing. I love seeing, you know, the goofy things that they do. They like to, you know, trying to grab things off the table, pull themselves up as they're learning to walk. Uh, but it, I might say those things, but consider after a long period of time, somebody who's 14 and acts the same way, hmm. you're going to say there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that, and that's the point the writer of Hebrews is getting at. It, it's not that we act like children and that that's somehow commendable, that we act immaturely and that's commendable, but it, it, wherever you're at in Christ, however long you've been in Christ, it, you should be progressing and not staying in the same spot. How could you use the definite the scriptural definition of child in Mark 10 versus child in Hebrews 5 to encourage people that you're ministering to? So how can in the same breath you encourage someone to be a child in Mark 10 but also use it to lovingly push somebody along like in Hebrews chapter 5? That would I think would come in just with particular circumstances with a a friend or brother uh, from church where there might be a brother, like one I was just speaking with in the past couple of days, that I'm not, I'm not questioning his salvation, but he's definitely struggling with the idea of just receiving God's love and God's grace mm-hmm. and just resting in that. This would be a case where I'd want to go to Mark and be like, hey, you need to, you need to just receive. Mm-hmm. Stop trying. Just receive the grace yeah. that has been promised to you in the gospel and accomplished for you by Christ and is being applied to you by the Holy Spirit love it. in this moment. Now, to a person that in a different – now, I, I don't really have necessarily a, a live example for this one right now, not that I'm aware of anyway. But, yeah, to a person that is living – is um, is just being passive in their, in their Christianity – and is not really showing interest or evidence of maturity, then Hebrews is where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Like this is bad. This is this is not good. Right. And and so yes, yeah, so I um I don't know of too many circumstances where both of those texts would come in as a way of encouragement or or correction, but they're each going to have their own place yeah. uh, to speak into someone else's life to either call them up to maturity. Or call them to remember the grace and receive the grace. Yeah, what Sean said. That's I, I couldn't add it. I couldn't add anything more to it. I would like to add a text though. Uh, that First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty. As I was studying this out when you gave this to us, Deacon, this one jumped out at me. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. Mm-hmm. However, in evil be babes, but in understanding be mature. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we we have to consider. That that's an important part of the Christian life, and not make any uh, many justification to stay as a spiritual child. As we finish up, what are some ways that you guys would encourage your congregation, anybody listening, to grow in their childlike faith? I would I would first and foremost say this by I would say by and large across the scope of the scriptures is not exclusively or primarily about how much you know. But it's about how much you obey what you know. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people that know a lot of stuff. There are university professors. There were the Pharisees who had such a a great and just excelling knowledge 
of the scriptures in the sense of how they worked, how you should read them, all this very technical stuff. They were excellent at it. Paul makes that very clear in his own testimony. But when it came to proper and biblical obedience, it was very much lacking. Mm -hmm. So the question really isn't, I mean, I don't know enough, or I need to keep reading more books, or listen to some more sermons, or just go to more Bible studies so that I understand more. But the question is, from what you do know of Scripture, are you living a life in pursuit of obeying what you know? Yeah. That really is the measure of maturity. Mm-hmm. And that it is important to know. It is important to grow in our, our head knowledge, per se, yeah. so that we can know God's will for our life. We can know what He desires of us and how He has designed the Christian to live, but we can't just stop at mere knowing. Yeah. It's got to be a balance of knowing what God has said, but then also pursuing that in obedience. And obedience, when I say biblical obedience, is namely worship to God through how we live, wanting to honor Him in the way in which we live, how we make our decisions, why we make our decisions, and God's Word being the guide to that. That's that's worshiping Him Monday through Saturday. And uh, going back to 2 Peter, and I think that really fits what you're saying, that... that, uh, Starting with faith and adding to your faith virtue and then adding knowledge to that, you don't stop there. If if you're, if all you are doing right now is growing in your knowledge, that's a great thing, but that knowledge should be leading to something else. It should be leading to self-control. And you, you might be able to say, I got a, le- a lot of level of knowledge, but uh, if it's not leading you to a place where you're being more committed to that knowledge, uh, and part of that is being in self-control, you're, you're not in the... You're stuck on the rung that is the third rung of your spiritual walk. That roadmap that Peter gives in Second Peter one five through seven. You're stuck on that, and you need to you need to pray, set your heart right, and uh, grow in that self control to get to the end. I would say the last couple minutes of discussion has been quite a blessing to me. Yeah. So I hope it's been a blessing to people listening. Uh, we're going to wrap up this episode now. I hope that. Uh, it has been insightful listening to us. I know that just listening to the guy, these guys is always an encouragement for me as I go about the rest of my day. So thanks for sharing on that, Patkey and Sean Mushin. This is Theologic. We'll see you guys next time.